Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have accomplished just that. They never gave up and they reaped the benefits because of it. My guests have all survived incredible circumstances and as a result they all have the passion to help others who may be going through something similar and that's what's so beautiful about this show and about each one of my guests is that they really desire to help those who may be going through what they had to endure and to in any way to be an encouragement. Some have overcome extreme poverty and are now successful multimillionaires. Some have overcome abuse and now are whole and complete. Some have overcome serious depression or disease and again have learned how to be whole and healthy. All of my guests are special. Every single one of them is a fighter and a winner and they want to share their stories with you. And I thank you both to my guests and to my listeners because without the listeners, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your encouragement. It's so much appreciated. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now in over 140 countries, which shows me daily that the message of hope is needed, so desperately needed all over this planet. So again, thank you. With me today, I have Tammy Price. Tammy is the author of Shifting Into High Gear, A Guide to Listening to Your Body. This became a bestseller in multiple categories within one day of its release. So we should sit up and take notice with what Tammy has to share. Tammy's also the co-founder of Shifting Into High Gear, which is a multifaceted company deeply rooted in the belief that we all have what we need within to be whole, healthy, and happy. So this is going to be an exciting time that Tammy is going to share her story of how she came to this realization. Thank you so much, Tammy, and welcome. Oh, thank you, Carol. I loved your intro. I I loved your intro, and I, I think the piece that stuck out for me the most is that we have to go through what we've experienced in life, what we experience in life, in order to be able to to share with others and and help others on their journey. So it's you know it's as much as it's hard to go through a lot of things that we do it's it, you know it's a gift it really truly is a gift so thank you for that man you said it in a nutshell and that's what I've heard over and over again is that our what we have gone through in the area of trauma ends up being a gift if we could only see it while we're going through it 
right? would really help, right? And some of us <laughs> do. If you've had enough things happen to you, like, okay, what's the lesson I'm going to learn this time, you know? <laughs> there was Sorry. a time in your life when you certainly didn't feel whole or healthy, and so you've come a long way. Can you tell us that about that journey, about that time in your life? <laughs> so do you want 40 years of it? <laughs> well, let's... Let's start at the peak, and then we'll see where that takes us. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I will tell you that I can remember looking at a picture of myself when I was four years old and knowing that I didn't feel whole at that point. So at four me, years old? At four years old, oh I, can, I can look at my school picture and say, I already didn't feel whole. Um, did, would never have understood why. didn't understand what being whole meant. But I can tell you at four years old, I didn't feel whole. And that carried through um, for most of my life. So for most of my life, um, up until age, um, I would say around 42 or 43, was when my big sort of awakening happened. Um, it was in process for a long period before that, but it was the period of time where I was being treated for breast cancer. And at the same time, my mom was being treated for terminal lung cancer, and my dad was also being treated for bladder cancer, all three of us in the same hospital being treated by the same oncologist, which wow. is almost unheard of. Yes. Um, another little piece of that is my sister, my older sister had also been treated by the same oncologist for breast cancer a number of years earlier. And so um, it was right around that time where I began to go inward. And not that I hadn't gone inward before, but this was at a whole other level. So, you know, much more deeper than I'd ever experienced before. Before you share exactly what you mean by going in, inward, tell us a little bit about what you were experiencing prior to this, like in the area of possible fear or emotions. What, what were you going through? As I was going through the cancer? Yes, and this what? whole time with, you know, your, your parents going through the same thing and before you realized that you had to turn inward. inward what emotions and what, what were you going, you know, what were you struggling with? I was struggling with allowing the mind to take on more real estate than it deserved, to be quite honest. Because when, when, we, when we're experiencing trauma, this is what happens. We go into the mind. The mind is our protector. It is where fear comes from. So I was, I was disconnected from my body, and the mind was taking on more real estate. So the, the emotions around that were fear, fear of dying, fear of, of my mom dying, fear of, of my father dying, and... Um, fear around leaving my children and, and all those things. And so, and so going inward was able to explain a little bit to me more about why I, had ex why I was experiencing those emotions, why I was experiencing those feelings, in large part why my mom was, was passing, why her life was ending, and why I was experiencing going through cancer in the first place, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. So continue with your story. So fear was one of your enemies. Like you, I like the way you said that it, it took over more real estate than it deserved. That's a very, put very well. So continue. So for me, it was, I'm, I'm going through cancer treatments. Um, I'm a medical intuitive. And so I didn't, I wasn't open really to being um, fully treated in the way that, that we're experiencing being fully treated for breast cancer. And so for me, it was, I want to do the, the, the limited amount of treatment possible, first of all, so that I can be with my mom because I know she's in her final final weeks. Um, and then second of all, because I don't fully subscribe to believing that we take a pill and, and our and our illnesses go away. Um, 
And so I was taking radiation as a bare minimum for my treatment. I had done surgery and then I was taking radiation. And as I went into radiation every day, I would lie on the bed and I would imagine pure love entering into my body. So shifting my mind around, this is a horrible experience. I'm exhausted every day. My skin is burnt. And just imagining pure love entering into the body. And so when I did this, it was almost like I didn't have cancer. And so my experience with being treated for those few weeks that I was being treated was, okay, I'm getting my treatment with over, over with first thing in the morning, and then I'm going upstairs and I'm spending this time with my mom. And that is where sort of the shift took place for me. Every day as I would go up and sit with my mom in her, in her hospital room, you know, we would have these conversations that we hadn't necessarily had throughout our entire life. And there was one experience that I had with my mom a number of years before she was passing. It was probably about 20 years before she passed or, or more. And I was getting married. And um, I was still living at home. I was 21 years old. And about four days before I got married, my mom stopped speaking to me. Like full stop. Like uh. not saying a word, not explaining why. There was no drama. There was nothing that happened that created the situation where where we wouldn't be speaking. Uh-huh. And 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 then the day I got married, she opened the door to my bedroom and bounded in like nothing had happened. And and part of I had gone through these emotions for the four days prior to one of the biggest days of my life, yes. and a lot of sadness and anger and frustration, like what what's going on? And and then she bounded in, and it was supposed to be all better, but that sat within my body. Yeah. That experience sat with me for a very long time, and 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 had somehow turned into a little bit of anger that was sitting in the body. And so one day I'm sitting with my mom in her hospital room, and she. She's crying because they've told her that they're bringing in um, the hospice people to consult, moving her into hospice. And she said to me, and, and she was crying, and she said to me, I don't want to leave you guys. And, and I got a message, and it was a message from whatever you want to call it that said, it's not that she doesn't want to die or leave you. It's that she doesn't want to leave. It doesn't wanna, she doesn't want to leave. So she was the first in our entire family, other than her parents and, and aunts and uncles, that had passed away. She was the first in her family to go out of out of five siblings, out of out of everyone. And so she was essentially being abandoned. And so it was like it was like this light bulb went off inside of me and opened up a conversation with my mom. And what it what turns out is the reason why she didn't she didn't speak with me four days before I got married was because I was abandoning her. Oh my goodness. I was abandoning her. I was leaving home. And essentially abandoning her, abandoning her, and so all this did was create a, a movie reel in my head of all of the experiences in my life that came from a place of abandonment. And what I began to realize is that my mom was operating for most of her life from a place of abandonment, and 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 she had a lot of story around that. Um, you know, being put into an orphanage for a period of time, her first husband leaving her the minute after my sister was born and deciding he didn't want this life. And it's interesting because at that moment when, when my mom's husband came into the hospital room and held my sister and then handed her back over to my mom, my sister was also being carried into the lineage of abandonment. And then when I um, was born, my father didn't know I existed. So I was being carried into the lineage of abandonment. So then throughout my life, what my mom did was teach us to live from a place of abandonment because that's what she knew. Okay. And so then my sister and I specifically, and, and interestingly enough, my parents did end up reconciling and getting married a number of months after I was born, um, but the abandonment had already been passed on. And so we had my mom, my sister, and I all operating from a place of abandonment in deep ways. 
what I found in my life is that I was holding on to my abandonment like it was a security blanket. I knew what it was like to live from that place. And what I didn't know was what was on the other side of that, the freedom that came on the other side of living from a place of abandonment. And so in my medical intuitive work, I started to talk to my clients and, and, and get to know, understand abandonment a little bit better and understand that men frame abandonment as rejection versus abandonment. Women are more comfortable with abandonment, men more comfortable with the word rejection for some reason. And what I began to realize is that the root of, 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 of all of us, in my experience, is this, is where we operate from. And, and I call it emotional DNA, um, as, we've, as I've mentioned to you before. Emotional DNA, I don't believe that my breast cancer came as a result of genetics. Because when I was diagnosed, the, the surgeon rushed me in to um, be tested for genetic testing because my mom had had, had breast cancer um, 10, th- or 10 years before I was diagnosed, my sister five years before I was diagnosed, and then I was diagnosed. And so they rush you in. They, they're like, there's got to be a reason for this. You've got to have, it's got to be in the family and in your genetic system in some way. And so a week after I was tested, it came back and it was negative, and I knew in my heart that it was emotional DNA, the fact that all three of us had been operating from this deep place of abandonment and sabotaging our life in a lot of ways in order to stay in this place because it was comfortable. It was really comfortable. The other side of abandonment was the uncomfortable piece. When you mentioned emotional DNA, one thing that came to me, and you correct me if I'm wrong, and that is that things like unforgiveness in our lives or, you know, animosity, you know, some of the negative emotions that we display towards others, does that create a um, what you're referring to as emotional DNA? It becomes part of us and consequently can destroy us? I, I believe, Carol, that those emotions absolutely can find a home in the body and bring out disease in the body. Um, I have a, I have very different philosophy around forgiveness. Um, I have, dare, you know, we spend our lives blaming everyone else for how we feel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have experienced a lot of trauma in my, in my life. And even when I, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it came down in my mind. It was like, oh, well, you're not exercising enough. You're not you're not, you're not in nature enough. You're not drinking enough green juice. You know, it was all of those things. I was searching for the answers outside of myself as to why I had developed breast cancer. You know, when I don't feel good in the morning, um, I often look for ways, or I used to, look for ways or understand why I don't feel good, and I would blame things outside of myself. So now everything I do in life comes back to self. So it's shifting if shifting out of the abandonment and operating more from a place of wholeness, which is why I developed the program Heals to Healer, which, which is stepping into wholeness. So reframing how we operate in life, most of us, most of us women from a place of abandonment, and calling in, calling in situations that feed the abandonment, feed the story. And so what I want to do is step away from that. So when I step away from that, I look at forgiveness and say, hey, if I own all responsibility, if I own 100% responsibility for my life, Nobody has the, the power to do anything to me. Nobody has the power to do anything to me. I, I own my response to everything that happens in my life. And, and that has shifted everything that I do, the way I move in this world, and that's what I call it, the way I move in this world is more from a place of wholeness than it ever was before. 
And so for me, it's owning where I operate from. I operated from a place of abandonment for most of my life. I have compassion for my mom around that now because I understand that's where she operated from. That's where her lineage came from, was abandonment. And so when I step into that where I'm, al- where I'm able to understand what my lineage is, how I was trained to live, and then make the choice to operate from a different place, th- my world opens up. And, and so I'm, I'm working with women in order to be able to open up their worlds, understand where they've been operating from, take ownership for it, and then make the choice to step into a new way of being and moving in the world. I think one of the key things that you're saying there is choice. And that's that has to do with uh, so many areas. But, but specifically, when as you mentioned, uh, forgiveness, we can choose whether we do or don't. And I think this, am I hearing you correctly when you say a matter of choice? It's a matter of choice and, and, and also um, pretty pretty good awareness, right? So, for example, when we're, when we're operating from a place of abandonment, we'll go into the fridge and we'll, we'll go to grab that carton of ice cream when we don't feel whole. When we don't okay. feel whole, we'll go to grab that carton of ice cream. So if we have the awareness that we do that when we're not feeling whole, the next time we go to grab the carton of ice cream, we might not do it. So are you saying it, that you've been able to help women lose weight using the same um, philosophy as well? I, I haven't I haven't done a study on that. <laughs> it's Interesting that you brought that up. Then see, right? maybe you need to. <laughs> but yeah, right. It's a, you know, it's a great idea. I haven't done that, but I will tell you when when you operate when you operate from a place of wholeness, and um, there is that there is that possibility. If if you're an emotional eater and you understand that the reason you're going to grab whatever it is that you're that that's your vice, maybe you stop yourself from doing it. Um, a lot of relationships break down because we're not operating from a place of wholeness and we want to blame the other person for how we feel. You know, and I will tell you, my partner and I, um, I've been in a relationship for nine years now and when we entered in this relationship, we were using each other to feel whole. So we were, we were searching out things within each other in order to fulfill our unworthiness. And so it was like, give me your love so I can feel whole. And how has that changed now? And so in our relationship today, when we roll over and go to sleep at night, it's love yourself, not I love you, it's love yourself. And understanding that the minute I begin to blame him for how I feel, I'm not feeling worthy. Mm. And it has nothing to do with him. And so now we, we with that awareness, um, we make the choice not to blame each other for how we, we feel internally. And, and we'll actually even call each other out. So if he comes to me and says, I don't, I don't like that you picked up the phone in the middle of a conversation or, I don't like, or if I don't like that you did this, we can say to each other, are you feeling whole today? You know, where is this coming from? Are you, are you feeling like you need more of my, my attention because you're not totally feeling whole? And so that's shifted our relationship from a place of neediness and using each other to feel whole into a place of coming into authenticity with each other. Can this create an attitude of uh, selfishness? The reason I'm asking that is I'm trying to hear what the other people, as they're listening, you know, might be thinking. And if you put in yourself first, how do you maintain an attitude so that you're not... um, 
you know, the self-awareness, etc., that you're not being selfish and only being concerned about yourself? I, I, it's a really good question, Carol. And I would tell you, I think in, you know, if, if I look at it from my relationship perspective with my partner, it's more about me, um, more, more about each of us operating from a place of wholeness so that we can come together from, to, in a place of wholeness. Okay. And so it, it's not taking time away from each other okay. because you, you're, you're practicing as you move in the world, right? So it's, it's almost like there, you have two entities. You have your physical body that's on this, on this realm and you're, you're, you're acting in life, you're doing things, you're creating, you're cooking dinner, you're doing all those things, but then you also have this sort of observation above you that's watching your every move. And, and just reminding you when you're doing things that aren't coming from a place of being whole. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from our relationship. I'm not taking anything away from him. I feel like what I'm doing is being able to show up more authentically with him. Um, because what I'm not doing is asking him to fulfill something within me um, that I've been looking for for a, for a lot of my life. You know, we're, we're, we're in, the, in the place where we're always looking to receive validation from outside of ourselves. We're in a place where we're, we're constantly asking the world to validate us mm-hmm. it's, instead of just knowing that we are validated. That's an excellent point. Or should I say, what challenged you then to become an advocate supporting other women or other people, not just women, in this journey to health. I mean, you must have come to a place where you realized, hey, I got something here that I want to share. So was there something that happened specifically or was it just a, a, a process? I would tell you it was a process for sure. I, I, my partner and I, we moved to a new town and uh, we bought a house and we wanted to, to bring in community. And so I had found this group of, of women that was running a, a, a um, workshops called Happy Healthy Women. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to start one of their little workshops in our town, and I'm going to bring women in. And, and it, was a, it was great for me because my, in my previous life, I was a financial advisor, and I worked with men. And so I didn't really have that connection with women. And so what it did is allow me to open up the connection with women. And as I was talking to them about my life experience and the things that I had done, there became um, a greater interest. Um, and so what I began to, to realize is that the experience that I'd had, this understanding where I'm operating from and owning it and then stepping into wholeness was something that I could help others with. And so it, it organically unfolded with people knocking on my door saying, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? And then, so then I, I was like, and I think that's when we find our gift of service, like it kind of, it's like the hand of God pulling you <laughs> instead of you having to force it or do anything um, other than take action in support of. And so um, and then it just opened the door, and I, I, I co-wrote, co-wrote the book with my partner, Nikki Hopal, in, in Chicago, and then we created the um, Heals to Healer, the wholeness program, and, and organically, it's just opened up. It's almost like I see a lotus flower just blossoming. Well, tell us about the book now. And also, why do you think that it became a bestseller so quickly? One day is a record, of course. I, well, I think in today's day and age with social media and all that fun stuff, it's a little bit easier to, to have that happen. Our book became a bestseller because probably because I've been talking so long about the mind-body-soul connection to so many people that it was okay. like, okay, so now I want to see what she's talking about. Okay, okay. <laughs> and, we, and we also gave practical solutions, right? Because we're born whole, mind-body-soul. 
um, and then we're, we're born into dysfunctional families that pull us away um, from the soul and the body and into the mind. Like I said, we allow the mind to own more real estate. And so it was delving into that concept in the book. Um, and so I, and it, and it was a foreign concept for, for some of, for a lot of the people that we knew. And so everybody was like, wow, I want to understand what that's about. Um, and so I think that's probably why it was simple concepts like, you know, sleeping when you're tired or eating when you're hungry or going, um, going to relieve yourself when you need to go to the bathroom. You know, we just need remind, we, we need to be reminded about that sometimes. And, and so I feel like that's probably why the book was, was a good success. And it, and it was, um, it was a, it's a Kindle book and, and it was written so long ago now, almost two years ago. And it was released, uh, almost a year ago. And it's almost like so much has happened since then. Uh. You know, that the book is like a fading memory. <laughs> That's funny. We have an online course called Heals to Healer, A Journey to Wholeness. It's a four-week intensive. So it's um, group coaching and then, in, and then a bunch of activities that, take, that tickle your intuition and tickle the body. Because a part of getting back into wholeness is awakening that piece of us. So often we see women in their 40s going through transition. Often it's because there's been a tickling of the intuition on some level that has them going, whoa, wait a second, there's this whole other life that I wasn't even aware existed. And so we, we begin to start quieting the mind through an organic process as opposed to having journaling or doing all those things. We're able to organically quiet the mind if we step into wakening the intuition. And who would benefit from either your book or your course? People in transition, people going through transition, people who can identify through listening to this call maybe that they've been operating from either a place of rejection or abandonment for most, if not all, of their life. People who deeply want to develop their intuition. People who may be going through something physical in their bodies and want to understand it at a deeper level. So I think those, those would be sort of the individuals that might benefit. Is there anything else that you would like to share about any one of the subjects that we discussed or, or something that we haven't discussed yet? There is one thing, actually, Carol, and, it, and it's that a whole new, you know, coming to a place of wholeness, wholeness, so many people are in search of a, a light switch. Flip it on for me, let me step through, and I'm whole. And it doesn't work that way. You know, no matter what we do, we're all like carrying these little pots out in front of us. And when we take courses and we do retreats and we read books and we do listen to podcasts, and, all, and every time we do one of these things, a little, a, little, um, a little more gets added to our recipe. And then that recipe boils over into our gift of service in whatever way that is. But but it's not a light switch. You know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And, and so, many of, so many of us, including myself, was in search of something to save me. But we can't be saved. We have the power within us in order to shift the way we operate and move in this world. But we have to take action in support of it. I like what you said. It's not a light switch. Because in this day and age, in particular, I think we want something fixed. And we want it fixed now. So it doesn't happen overnight. So we can't get discouraged as we start a new on this new venture, depending upon what we need. We need to be patient, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to do our own work before we can begin to serve others. Because if we haven't done the work, how do we know to share what the experience is like? Absolutely. So in conclusion, sum it up for us and the call of action that you may have for the audience as well. Um, wholeness is a practice. It's a, it's a muscle that needs to be built and needs to be built over time. And so 
Um, what I'd like to offer your audience is I have um, on my website, I have a practical solutions guide for getting you back into balance that they can download for free. Okay. And and in there is a 30-minute GPS reset that they're welcome to book with me and there's no charge for that. So, Excellent. That information will be on the show notes and people can certainly connect. And please take advantage of what Tammy is offering today because you never know, this could be the pivotal place in your life, just as she has experienced that one in hers and so many other of my guests as well. There's so much out there that people like Tammy are offering and all we have to do is take that first step, correct? Correct. Action, action, action. Ex- absolutely. <laughs> I like it. Action, they don't action, action. They don't say it in the movies for no, for no good reason. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you, Tammy. This has been informative, inspiring, definitely motivating. And that's what I'm hoping that each one of my listeners will take back with them today. And don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Tammy, this has been awesome. I really thank appreciate you, so you being a guest. I never, ever, ever give up hope. Thanks so much, Carol. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.